This is a Rock Talk with Mitch LaFon exclusive. Thank you very much indeed. On this episode of Rock Talk, Mitch LaFon goes one-on-one with... Ladies and gentlemen, I'm David Coverdale of the band Whitesnake. David Coverdale from Whitesnake talks about being in isolation. And, you know, we, we seem to be making a lot more friends. Having Joel Hoekstra in the band. But he put the Joel Hoekstra Les Paul on there. And the Rock Album. And the thing I wanted to achieve on... On the rock album, it really was. White Snake, the rock album, on CD, digital, and a 180 gram limited edition double LP white vinyl, available on June 19th. Pre order it today at whitesnake.com. And now, Rock Talk with Mitch LaFon. Welcome to this very special episode of Rock Talk with Mitch LaFon. Special because I have the one, the only, the legendary David Coverdale as a guest. But not, not just that. I've got Alan Niven. So it's like a, a, a what do you call it, a, a summit of the great? Is that how we call it, Alan? Bonjour. Oh, good Lord. Well, what? what Certainly you, uh, not. It is, it is, it is like, a, it is like a, a, a Russian-American summit where you have the two great superpowers sitting down together and discussing music. That's, that's sort of how I see it. But well, right. that, that's overly generous. Um, but what I would say is that... Uh, David, to me, is a superpower of rock and roll. I'd agree with that. Um, back in the day, uh, I was very fortunate to tour with him uh, in 1984 in the United Kingdom. And then later, uh, we spent six months on the American highways and freeways um, in 87, 88 with David. And I have nothing but fond good memories of him he's a gentleman first and foremost uh he's earthy he's from newcastle um although you don't you can't always tell from his accent um but we had great times out with white snake um but i I, perhaps one of my most favorite and amusing memories of david is that you know all the things you do you know you have a band that goes number one, um, you make a little bit of a fuss here and there and so on and so forth. But I got a phone call from David one day, which took me completely by surprise. And he goes, here, I just saw you on CNN. And I said, really? And what had happened was uh, I was walking through Rupongi and was assailed by some people with uh, a, a fuzzy microphone that is stuck over my head. And then they asked me questions about uh, how difficult was it for the Gaiji to get a cab to stop for them in Tokyo. And this apparently was CNN, which I didn't realize at the time. And apparently it got shown on CNN. And David was far more impressed about the fact that I was on CNN than I had bands at number one. So I thought that was kind of amusing. Um, amusing. But no, David is, is definitely one of the voices of rock and roll. And uh, I believe he's got, what, three records coming up? Yeah, he does. In fact, he's got the, uh, the, 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 the Rock album, which comes out on June 19th. It's part of this trilogy series called the Red, White, and Blues Trilogy. So the Love Songs album comes out later this year. All the ballads of Whitesnake. Then the Rock album, June 19th. And then finishing off... I believe he says in February with the blues album. So just a lot of new white snake coming up and and it's not just, you know, compilation albums where they sort of st- 
grab a few songs and stick them out. They've been revisited. They've been remixed. They've been remastered. They've been reimagined. In the sense, all the R's. It's, it's, it's you know your three R's of, of rock and roll, and it's it's great. I've heard the well, rock. Well, I'm, I'm going to be very interested specifically to hear the blues album, and I'm also smiling because it was doing something similar to this was something I wanted to do with the Great White catalog years ago, but I couldn't get capital to buy it or think about it. So well done, David, for doing it. Um, my only reserve is, please, God, tell me you haven't touched Love Ain't No Stranger because I think of all the White Sake songs, that is my favorite. And it's perfect the way it is. And don't touch it. It's just magic the way it is. There was one night... Uh, years ago when I was not, not a nipper, but you know, not that old, but uh, me and my Zen roommate, Don Dawkins, um, maybe had a couple of libations and believe it or not, he and I sat and sang that, played that song over and over and sang it together for about an hour. We were both so in love with that song. Um, but I sincerely hope that that perfection is kept us that perfection well you can always improve on on perfection but either way the i've heard the rock album i've had a chance to have a, a promo copy sent and it is just magical he he did an album in 1997 called restless heart and you come off the 80s production stuff of uh you know the self-titled album and then a slip of the the one with steve Vai. And they, they were big and they were bombastic and they had all the, you know, the, the bells and whistle. And then the, this this Restless Heart one didn't have all that production to it. Still great albums. I, I, I love the, the album. I think it's a fantastic album. But these he took four songs from that album and, and you know, gave them some steroids for, for this rocker. And they just sound even better than I have uh, you know, on my iTunes or better than I remember. And it's just like, oh my God, you, to hear crying and restless heart now is just like, yes, thank you, David. You, you, you did a good job. But just real quick, who were you touring with in 84? Guns was later. Uh, Great White. Oh, this, this is Great White on a bill with White Snake in the United Kingdom in the winter. And it was miserable weather and cold and not an awful lot of fun touring in Europe at that time of year. But, um, yeah. you know, it crosses your mind. Um, can you imagine the sort of bluesy record that David might do with, say, Ann Wilson of Heart? Can you imagine those two working together on duets? Oh, that'd be great. I mean, sort of, sort be... of like uh, Alison Krauss and Robert Plant, what they're doing, uh, just a, a different kind of side of, of their professional catalog, whatever. But... I'm curious. Exactly. I don't know if you ever saw it, but Martin Scorsese did a, a series of movies about the blues. And in one section, there's a moment when Lulu, who some people might know, um, little Scottish lass with just an awesome voice who had a sort of pop career. And, um, oh God, to remember his name. His name was Jones, and he was famous for having uh, women throw their underwear at him um help me out here um he paul did stanley like delilah no not paul <laughs> stanley stop already um but uh, it, the pair of them were filmed singing a blues standard together and it was stunning 
And he sat there and he went, wow, they went mainstream entertainer with their voices. But my God, what they might have done if they were allowed to be a little bit more artistic and just go into a blues vein. I'm actually curious to see Tom what... Jones. Tom Jones. Oh, Tom Jones. That's a... Tom Jones and Lulu. You know, two people that you wouldn't necessarily think of in a, in a blues idiom. But when they sang a blues song together, it was just stunning. I'm actually curious to see what this blues album is going to be because my understanding is that uh, David doesn't have access to the early White Snake catalog, you know, all this contractual stuff, and he has access to the later stuff from uh, Slide It In upwards. And if you're thinking blues from White Snake, you're probably thinking those early ones. So either he's anyway. I, I'm I have no idea what the track listing is. I have no idea where he's going for it, but. If it's re-recordings of the early stuff, I'm in for it. If it's uh, reimagining, uh, whatever it is, as long as David's singing, as long as it's called White Snake, I'm in. So I'm actually very, very curious to see. Like the love songs, it's easy to sort of predict. You know, it's going to be deeper. The love is, is is this love, you know? And the rock album was, you know, still of the night. But the blues album intrigues the living daylights out of me. I just, I, I don't know what the me track too. listing. I don't know what the track listing is going to be. So it, me too. I, I'm I'm curious about that, and uh, isn't it nice to actually have a curiosity about an upcoming release? Yes, it's so rare these days that we know that a release is coming, and we go, "Oh, I must make a note of that." You yeah, know? and and I like what David's done. He he's done these box sets over the last few years where he's thrown the kitchen sink in. You know, you, you get demo versions you get initial scratch tracks you get i mean these things are all four five six discs and when you think you know compilation albums you think oh you know that thing i'm going to pick up at walmart for five bucks but no not this the, the way it's it's been approached is you have to own it you might know still of the night you might know love is ain't no strain but you've got to get this because there's a fresh coat of paint on it and it's you know it's not deconstructed, it's not re-recorded, it's just embellished, as it says in the press release. And and I like that. I like a a new sonic perspective because you know it's 2020. Let's let's get it up to 2020 standards. Come on, let's do it. Anyway, there you go. Well, let's get over to David and see what he has to say about it. You mean you'd rather not listen to me for another couple of minutes? Because I got more stuff to say. I'm sure. I can get you every day. We can only get David <laughs> once a year. All right. So let's get over to the one, the only, the indefatigable, the legendary, and every other kind word you could say, le seul unique, the one and only, David Coverdale. We are speaking with the legendary singer David Coverdale from the band White Snake, the new album. The rock album drops June 19th, 2020. And as we say in Montreal, le bonjour, Monsieur David, comment allez-vous? How are you? <laughs> I'm doing really well, apart from these bloody Washoe Zephyrs driving everybody crazy down here. Uh, just a wacky wind that I didn't... I'm usually out on the road by now, as you see my social media. Uh, very People are quick to remind me I should be saying, good evening, Hamburg, tonight. Uh, you know, it's heartbreaking, but there you go. It is what it is. Uh, but doing well, surprisingly well. Um, I vary between uh, Mr. Saturday Night... Uh, and, you know, really private, intensely private man uh, when I'm not working in a public eye. 
So, yeah, with social media, Martin, it's changed all that, of course. But there you go. Well, in fact, all right, let me just, I'll ask you just a quick question about that. How important is the social media to what you do? Because as a band that's been established for 40 years or more, uh, you have a fan base. Is it well, important to reach out and no, say hello? But, well, well, Michael McIntyre was the one, uh, my co-producer and uh, dear friend for over 30 years. We were at a... Um, they used to have this big, like the Nam show, but in uh, Cologne in Germany called uh, Popcom, I think it was. And like all the record companies, new artists would come over, do showcases and stuff like that. And we were there doing a, so this is how long ago, um, it must be 20 years, what are we, 23, yeah. Um, we, we were doing a promo trip for my Into the Light solo album. And we, you know, of course, were invited there doing the schmooze all over the place. And he said, David, we've got to get you online. It's, it's the new thing. <laughs> and I'm going, uh, fuck you. Uh, you know, I've got enough to do, blah, blah, blah. But uh, we, we, we pulled up his laptop and he, we went and scoured a couple of uh, band sites and it was just awful people being rude to each other. Just I said, well, I'm going to fucking entertain this. I said, it's going to be outside the house for me. You know, uh, I'm not talking rules and regulations, but just respectful to people. You know, don't use comparisons. I've never been a fan of that. It just leads to unsavory divisiveness. That is and true. God knows we need we need more unifying and divide. You know, divisiveness right now of all things to to play politics at this time is the most insane thing I think I've ever witnessed in my life. Apart from me getting the job with Deep Purple. But the um, and then it was Doug Aldridge. We were mixing uh, something, and he says, "DC, you kill a Twitter." And I'm going, "What the hell?" When I was a child, my dad would say, "Would you stop twittering?" <laughs> As if I wouldn't shut up. Uh, so that's the only reference I had to Twitter. So it's fabulous. It's a lot less time-consuming than when I was doing sort of in-depth answers on the original. Whitesnake.com or DavidCoverdale.com because I had to buy Whitesnake.com. But what's fantastic for me, Mitch, is the interaction with people, particularly now. We've built up an amazing millions of people checking every day with our Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Uh, And particularly now when this is extraordinarily challenging for people uh, in quarantine, in lockdown, you know, I'm doing little songs for people each day, just a bit of fun. Um, and I'm just feeling people, you know, just saying, I love you. I miss you. You know, you're never alone. You're truly loved. Just trying to bring some positive aspect to this really awful, awful time in our, in our existence. And, you know, we, we seem to be making a lot more friends. It's, it's, it's very much almost a uh, counseling at times, I feel. Um, just making people, if, you know, the worst thing I think one of the worst aspects of the human condition is loneliness. Um, and you can be in a room full of people, a stadium full of people and feel lonely. So if you have somebody who's reaching out and saying, by the way, did anybody tell you, you look really good today, can, helps people. It's, it's, um, it's a fun exercise for me and it takes no effort on my part at all. No, I agree, and I, and I love doing the whole Twitter thing, and I have to admit, I, yours, uh, along with, like, Greg Renoff and Matt Wake, the writer, and 
are some of the ones I check every day just because the content is very compelling and, uh, you know, the jokes every day. Uh, but let me get well, over. Uh, yeah, I need, I need a laugh. You know, the dark times in my life since childhood, I've actively sought out humor. It's once again part of who I am. Uh, and part, as my wife uh, said recently, she's very active on Instagram. Uh, and people are on there telling her, please tell David how nice it is to see this raw aspect. We know he's doing this for us. And, you know, uh, and it was very, very sweet to hear. But, I, you know, I need to fucking laugh too, Mitch. So I post a lot of funny stuff that hopefully will, you know, and some naughty stuff, of course. You know, it's very... It's I'm I'm really being me, who I am. And that's what my wife was telling me. A lot of people are going, oh, my God, we're starting to get to know David rather than just David, the, the, the singer, whatever. legend in his own lunchtime. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, so, and, and I'll just all, say, all positive. well, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. I was just going to say what I find refreshing, no. though, is the, the little bits of comedy or the little funny things is nice to see because a lot of band Twitters are buy our t-shirt, buy our album, buy our concert ticket, then start over, buy our yeah. t-shirt. And and you don't pound that message in. You you mix it up with this other side, and it's just very refreshing to say, hey, look at that. <laughs> look at that little joke. Look yeah. at that little cartoon. Well, you know, the, it's important. There's a couple of elements that we utilize in the social media. One is definitely not overplaying our hand. Uh, that's something that I set off very early with uh, my dear friend, sadly, uh, departed poor Albert, uh, we both had a very similar feeling of how we wanted to be involved in a particular uh, aspect of social media. You want to be coarse, you want to be rude, you want to be insulting, go and do it somewhere else. There's, plenty, there's no room for that here. It's not acceptable in my home, and it certainly isn't acceptable you know, in social media. So go and play your naughty, silly little game somewhere else. It's just not interesting. But for people to start to get to know me it, it, uh, and me to get to know them, I, I sang, I, sang a, I couldn't even remember the chords, uh, somebody I, I knew for 55 years, it's her birthday today, Christine. Uh, we used to live close to each other before the Deep Purple days and stuff. Uh, and it was her birthday today. Some friends of her, that she wanted sailing ships. And I'm going, oh, what the fuck? This is the funniest thing, Rich, when I write a song, once I've given it over to my guitar gods, I kind of erase the chord shit from my data banks to open up for more ideas, more refreshing. Right, I've passed it on to the guitar gods. Now I can focus on something else. So it's really weird for me to do this, trying to remember the chords for songs I wrote. You know, and then people are, I don't, I don't normally do requests, but... Uh, for instance, is this love? I've, I've never played on the guitar. I wrote it on the piano. Um, uh, Deeper the love, I wrote on the piano. It's just so weird to me trying to work out the chords because I don't have, you know, I'm seven minutes from my studio, and we've now just actually uh, had it disinfected for me to be able to go and do some work there with uh, with Michael. It's uh, Strange old times, baby. We got to roll with it. We got to roll with it. Oh, it is definitely strange old times. So let, let's talk a little bit about the old times here. The the rock album, of course, like yeah. I said, is coming out in June. Uh, it has been refreshed, revisited, remixed, remastered, all of the above, and I've had a chance to hear <laughs> all the R's. All the all R's. The yeah, the three R's. The three important, and it sounds great. But uh, let me go yeah. to to some of the songs that American audiences and maybe even Canadian audiences aren't so yes. familiar with. Is you've got four tracks 
from Restless Heart, this album that was under the name of David Coverdale and White Snake, which yeah. I've always thought amusing because David Coverdale is White Snake. So, <laughs> you know. Well, it was after Coverdale Page, my manager, God rest his soul, Howard Kaufman. And Rupert Perry, who at that time was the chairman of EMI, felt it was time for me to work as David Coverdale. And I'd called Adrian and said, look, I'm going to do a solo album. Would you, you know, do you want to get involved? Are you doing anything? He wasn't doing anything at the time. This was you know, years and years in 96 or whatever. And uh, so he came over. We, we connect extraordinarily well. We had a deep, deep, profound friendship. Um, and we pursued this record. Everything was going really well. Uh, you know, some good rock stuff. It's impossible for me not to, to write rock stuff. And then suddenly we get a visit from the brand new executives. There was a kind of uh, merry-go-round of executive uh, uh, firings and hirings uh, in this period. So one project to another were different execs we were dealing with. It was the weirdest thing. Anyway, these guys came over. I brought in the Polini Montrachet, blew their minds. One of the guys was French. Uh, they listened to the record and said, it's absolutely amazing, uh, but we want it to be a White Snake record. Uh, as per your contract. My contract said David Coverdale, also known as the artist White Snake. So contractually, they were right. And I said, well, you know, it's, to me, it's not really a White Snake album. There's elements of stuff. So, well, no, we want that. So it was a kind of turn the guitars up. And we'd never gone for the giant guitar rock stuff. Um, if you remember, Mitch, uh, and, and turn the drums up to try to give it more of a rocking thing. And then the mastering sucked. And, we, you know, the people I was working with got sick and I had to, Mikey was in a personal dilemma. So this was a kind of, it was just a troubled uh, chapter. Uh, and I was, uh, became a new father with my son Jasper, of course. But um, I refused to give it to Geffen, to be honest, because the, the whole dynamic with them had changed. After all the success we had, they had uh, mostly people coming in from uh, business school and there was no music to be discussed. There were numbers and percentages. And um, I remember one of them patting me on the leg and almost me really smacking her. Um, do you remember the scene in True Romance when Brad mm -hmm. Pitt goes, don't fucking fucking patronize me, man? <laughs> yep. Jimmy and I, Jimmy and I, Jimmy Page and I sitting on the roof of the fucking Bellage Hotel in West Hollywood and this young idiot is tapping me on the leg going, oh, things have changed since you were on MTV. I'm going, what? I was on MTV five minutes ago. It had taken me days to talk Jimmy into making those videos we did because we're both like classic artists. Making funny videos was just not part of the reason we got involved in the music business. But anyway, so that was the beginning of the end for me with... Um, with um, the rest of the uh, Geffen, and then I and then I bought it. Then I bought it back from EMI with the plans to do literally what I've been doing. So this is decades ago. Uh, I've been sitting on. Uh, we've revitalized. Good to be bad forevermore. Uh, slide it in. You know, all all of the albums into light. Of all into the light's going to be a White Snake album now. The guys are thrilled that they're going to be credited as, as being in White Snake, like those guys Dead Cat Bounce. You know, in Discoverdale. Um, so in uh, in White Snake, because uh, uh, Chris Collier and I have mixed it really really rocky. And the thing I wanted to achieve on on the rock album, Mitch, really was 
to get a consistent sonic identity and consistency throughout all the different chapters and different producers and engineers and different technologies at different times. But the circumstances, it needed, it needed a fresh coat of paint. That's basically how I was looking at it. And once I found Chris Collier and, and he mixed the Flesh and Blood album with me, I knew I'd, find the mis- I'd found the missing link. So we just, he's, ext- he's a gunfighter, sushi chef, so quick, but very extraordinarily caring. And I'm really, I like to work very, very quickly because uh, I'm, I'm really focused on what I'm doing when, when it's that time. Um, so all of these things we've helped up streaming and up iTunes and stuff to make it brand new, brand spanking new. And of this time, who isn't listening to digital technology now? You know, iPhones, they sound fucking amazing. One of the things we focus on is making sure we get the warmth of analog and it's not too brittle or crispy digital, you know? And I'm telling you, uh, listening to this with the uh, AirPods Pro, it just it, it's like a 3D experience. But I, I do just want to ask a couple more about Restless Heart because yes, yes. I, I, I sort of A-B'd what I have in my iTunes and what I'm hearing on this new thing. And, and you know, I listen to Still of the Night and Best Years, and, and you can tell that there's a fresh coat of paint, but they're still very true to the original, the Restless Heart. The, oh, oh the... God, that, well, no, we maintain the integrity of that. Oh, stuff. yeah, yeah, yeah. We definitely, definitely. But, but the Restless but on, Heart and, and Crying and Can't Stop Now and Anything You Want, they sound more powerful, they sound more present, they sound just mean and nasty, but in a good way, you know? And I love it. Yeah, love yeah. It. It's, uh, a, it's a super, I think it's, a, I, I, Rev and I were busy doing something and Joel had a couple of days off. I think he was working with Sher in Vegas. And I said, uh, listen, I've been meaning to ask you, he's extraordinarily precision. He's a beautifully accomplished musician, well-rounded player, as you can testify, and a great guy. I said, well, come up to the studio and mess around. And Mikey said, well, why don't we have him do... Uh, some guitar on Restless Heart, because as I said earlier, we didn't shoot for the giant guitars. I'd come off, slip of the tongue, huge production, Coverdale Page, huge production. I wanted it to get back to be a bit more organic, you know, natural, not overdressed. And uh, and achieved that, but, and then it just felt right to me. (laughs) So Joel came in and we were really respectful to Adrian's, uh, playing Joel didn't do any solos. They're all Adrian solos as before, but he put the Joel Hoekstra Les Paul on there. So that's thickened that up. And then I think you know him too, extraordinarily keyboard player called De- um, uh, Derek Sherinian. Uh, awesome. He came and just score. Oh my God. Awesome. In, in, in large case, you know, super super stuff and he john lord god rest his soul is one of uh, derek's heroes and for me when i hear these things it's almost as if the ghost of john's there not to diminish derek's uh, fabulous achievement i've also got him all over slip of the tongue for the next anniversary mix um but this is stuff that i've got the support of warner and uh, rhino to do Th- these were the dreams that i discussed with them when we made a a huge catalog deal. Uh, and, and over the next five to seven years, you're going to, well, we've got the red, white, and blues trilogy, as you're aware. Um, so the rock album's coming out June 19th. We have love songs, white snake love songs, which is kick up beautiful record. Uh, Rhino are digging it. Thankfully, (laughs) 
Um, that's in October, I think. Just in time for your Christmas stocking stuffers. Huh. And then we've got Whitesnake, the blues album, uh, possibly February, I think, next year. And then we start, I think we're going to start with the rest. They want to go chronological, I think. So if that's the case, we'll be starting with the Restless Heart box set. And this morning I was listening, you know, we, I don't know whether you're familiar with the rock sets, Mitch, but we put all kinds of stuff in there. We load it to the max. Uh, and we usually put a CD called Evolutions in there, which shows the early starts of songs, either whether it's me just playing acoustic or pathetic piano, and then it, it, the evolution of that into what a song you probably know now, you know? Uh, and I was listening to the rest of Hard Evolutions. My God, uh, anything you want was originally called Red Light, Green Light. <laughs> we did... We did some changes with that thing mid midstream. I think it's very cool, very cool. But I love the record. I really do. I do too. And, and listen, you don't need to ask me if I have it. I'm a completist, and I'm actually staring at the <laughs> slip of the tongue 30th anniversary remaster. You can actually, you can actually hear it. It's right. It's right at yeah. my. It's at my porte, as we say in French. It's my hands length away. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I'm a complete completist of of everything. Uh, but so so, let me ask you this: uh, There are three songs on here, "Still of the Night," "Judgment Day," and yeah. "Crying," which to me are sort of exactly what White Snake is. It's these big, epic songs that that you know these six yeah. minutes, seven minute thing. Um, talk to me a little bit about these ones and, and, and particularly crying because uh, crying has been a song that has been around since 97. And I, I have always thought had it come out in 87, 88, it would have been an MTV oh, massive, you know, well, I got to tell you, uh, when I was working, when, uh, I started to uh, write songs with the, the, the incredible, uh, incredibly gifted Doug Aldridge, um, We'd, we'd finish off this ballad or that song or, you know, and, and both of us would look at each other and go, if this was the late 80s. <laughs> so it became like a joke, to be honest. Um, but the circumstances, the songs are so strong. Uh, that's almost, uh, I sang that at 7.30 in the morning uh, at a studio in, in Reno with a heart, Mikey's half asleep. Bjorn uh, Thorsrud, who was engineering, half asleep, and I'm roaring down the microphone at this stuff, and they're going, oh, my God, I've never heard anybody do this at this time of the day. But I, I, I used to get up painfully early in those days. Um, but, yeah, it's one of my favorite vocal albums. I think it's very strong. Uh, Denny Kamasi's fantastic. Yep, from Montrose. Uh, on, uh, the rest is hard. Oh, yeah, I adore him. What a great guy. What a great... Uh, one of the few drummers I know, like Mickey Fleetwood, who just loves the blues and, and is just plays the blues beautifully. Pagey loved working with Denny, uh, loved him dearly. We used to call him Rock and Rolex, Swiss timing, you know, so perfectly locked in. Um, and after working with Bonzo, that's extraordinarily important to, to Jimmy, as you can imagine. But... Um, with um, uh, the bass player we used uh, was a guy who did a couple of live shows with Jimmy, Jimmy Page and I in Japan called Guy Pratt out of Pink Floyd. And his bass playing was ju is just fabulous. Uh, melodic, punchy. He, he's superb. He's featured in the video we just literally released today. Uh, super, super player. Funny, funny guy. Uh, but he was... He was running rampant through the city of the, the, the midnight city of Reno, biggest little city in the world, and came to me and said, DC, 
can, can, can I can I just do my overdubs and get me out of here? Otherwise, I'm going to kill myself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And uh, I got I got him back to London in one piece, fortunately. But yeah, it was uh, an interesting piece of work. When you hear the whole thing, uh, this was hard. For instance, crying. I was tempted. You know, the blues album. I was. It was a flip of a coin whether to put that on the blues album or not, uh, because the blues album's got a lot of epics. You know, slow and easy, crying in the rain. Um, Judgment Day, obviously, obviously, whatever I do is personal expression, which which to me is the blues. Um, but, you know, the packaging of that song is not necessarily uh, a blues epic. It's just one of the white snake epics, you know. But instead, I chose Looking for Love uh, that Sykes and I wrote oh, wow. um, for the yeah, for the 87 album. When you hear that, oh, it's, okay. uh, you know, this is a cool thing. We we found an ending when Chris and I were remixing. We found we made an ending for Still of the Night. We found an ending existed for Is This Love, which will be on the Love Songs record. And we found that there was an ending for, well, crazy one, for Looking for Love. It, it's uh, all of these things that uh, Keith Olsen, God rest his soul, that we didn't do. You know, he was very FM oriented. And I think him and a guy called John Kolodna, my A&R guy at Geffen, had a little behind DC's back, oh, do this, do that, whatever. Uh, you know, when trust is abused sometimes, it happens. And when people think uh, they're doing that for your best interest and it doesn't turn out that way, uh, that's, that's what it, the house of cards collapses. But, you know, it, it is what it is. It there is what go. it is. I'll, I'll ask you, I know we're going to run out of time, so I'll just ask you just a couple of questions on that. You've mentioned this blues album, so you've brought in, you know, yeah, yeah. Joel and others to, to work on this. Would you consider bringing Bernie Marsden back to, to beef up the blues one? Because, I mean, his fingers play the blues like nobody well, else. It's all, it's all, yeah, but it's, it all exists. I can't, okay. this is one of the sad things, really. Um, you, you're looking at, um, this was this is this is a couple of years ago. We did that thing with Joel. Rev and I were Rev was interested in doing stuff, but we were busy in my studio doing other things. I can't remember what it was, uh, but we were busy. And Joel was just in and out in a couple of days. He's he's that proficient. It was amazing. Um, Derek Schwinney and I uh, I needed desperately, and I you know, and I love McKaylee, but this was all of the stuff Derek did for me was before McKaylee came part became a snake. Um, but you know, this isn't, it isn't open season to be honest. What I don't really have time to do all these box sets that we've been doing to great success. Um, I, everybody's after me touching the early stuff and I have, I don't, I have nothing to do with that. Uh, contracts that I had back in those days left over from Deep Purple um, because it was the management from Deep Purple. Uh, it was all about ownership and copyrights. And, and I, I only have like a, a, large, a, well, a large percentage of the publishing, but I can't touch those records. They're nothing to do with me. I took over Whitesnake and began with Slide It In, the real actual successful stuff, fortunately. But, you know, I would love one day to have had the time to have remixed some of the early songs. Because we, we were doing, a lot of people think that the, the early Snakes lasted for six or seven years. It wasn't. It was three years. We did two albums a year. That was my contract. 
<laughs> yeah, well, I, I have to write two albums a year. Jesus, I, I need a I need a remix of Dancing Girls. But I, let me just quickly get back to a, <laughs> that is that is the greatest song that at some point I will I will see performed live somewhere. But um, just on, on Still of the Night and Judgment Day, and of course later on Crying. You know, MTV and radio back then were very specific. Give me three minutes, get to the chorus, don't bore us, and get in. Was there any resistance from the record company or from MTV or radio programmers that just said, hey, dude, this is way too long. You're going to have to give us a three-minute edit or you can forget it. Yeah, well, when we started in those days, you had uh, AOR mixes, which is more the album-oriented rock. Or CHR, where you could not have loud solos. So, like these CHR, I hated it, but it, it just made sense. And you know how successful everything was. Uh, it's, it's just a historical fact. But it wasn't, didn't feel good for me. I'm a very give and take kind of person, but compromising rubs me the, the wrong way. Um, but, you know, I. I was shown by how successful Slided In was on American radio. That's what set us up for radio was just ready and willing and waiting for uh, the 87 album. And of course, MTV put the icing on that cake, the frosting. But um, I remember them doing the worst edit I think I've ever heard in my life on Still of the Night. Uh, And I said, that's absolutely not going anywhere you know and uh, and they sent it to radio anyway and i thank radio for not playing it thank you darlings um and we were the first act also to uh, to put a radio signal on single on cd which was still of the night so most people were playing vinyl at that time and this just crushed the poop out of stuff it was amazing the worst compromise that i went along with and my band was heartbroken was the uh, slip of the tongue what we wanted judgment day i designed a set like a 21st century blues band uh which became fool for your loving which was just not kosher you know and and i i feel disappointed a lot of people but pri- primarily it dis- disappointed us uh and they were all i mean they had i had a president of geffen the a and r guy the head radio guy my manager his right hand guy in uh record plants uh manager's office in los angeles browbeating me that this was the best idea this was the best idea and all my wires were going are you kidding no way no way uh and then acquiesced and when i called the band they were just devastated you know but whatever it's okay it is what it is now now i know we're going to run out of time so just a couple of quick updates then uh you did have an inguinal hernia which Listen, I've I've you I've know, been operated twice. Yeah, I've been operated on both sides for those, so I know exactly what's that. Are you okay? What What's your sort of? Uh, no, 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 no. no. Um, that's that's the, it. Wasn't anything to do with this dreadful pandemic. Uh, this happened to me. My first show in Australia, in Melbourne. The second song was "Slided In," which is a big vocal project, projection. I use it my whole body when I I sing, uh, and I just felt this very unusual and painful pop in the old nether regions. And uh, it was a kind of, oh, Christ, you know, and the place is going nuts and I'm on this long ego thrust into the crowd. And and I've got two younger women who work with me. So I couldn't drop my pants and go, give me an ice pack 
you know, and my wife was out of the mix. So uh, fortunate, sadly, but fortunately for me, sadly, Klaus had uh, had to cancel of the Scorpions, uh, was rushed to hospital after the show. He was passing a kidney stone. So our whole Australian tour was messed up. But it gave me a bunch of days of icing and being able to do the next show. I think had we been able to go in Japan, where I was starting with two consecutive shows, I most likely would have ended up in hospital and I would probably would still be in Japan right now. Okay. Uh, separated from my wife so, yeah, so that, the, you know it's weird but no i'd still I'm, I'm very i live in a small community and i'm very connected with the local authorities the medical people uh and i was actually going to see the surgeon general uh who was gonna you know uh, uh, perform surgery on it's a bilateral inguinal hernia uh and uh, and within hours of making this uh um, commitment appointment um the whole medical uh thing throughout america was closed down and only life-threatening uh, life-threatening illnesses were allowed into in hospitals and mine although career-threatening uh but really i'm not sure i would have wanted uh, you know I, I know a lot of the doctors and nurses in my local community and man they they are the new superheroes well they've always been but to go through this, a lot of them wearing masks two, three times instead of once. It's uh, just so heroic. I'm so proud of them. But to, do I want to go into a hospital while this is going on at my age? Not sure. Not sure. But I have to have it done. So if we don't have a terrible second wave, uh, which who knows how it's going to happen with this reopening, uh, it'll be the first thing on my agenda to do. But yeah, it's very painful, isn't it? Oh, oh yes, and, and uh, they talk about having something called strangulation, where it, it twists around, yeah, whatever. And yeah, I had to go in I, emergency. Yeah, I can't. So if uh, I can't sing loud, I can't do what I do normally. Otherwise, are you kidding? I'd be in the studio every day. It hurts. I can't strain, um, and it looks like I'm much better endowed in my underwear than I actually am. Looks like I've got a couple of fresh farm eggs in there. <laughs> <laughs> I know. And I'll finish on this because I know we're going to run out of time. You had in a previous yeah, interview... Yeah, you want to do... Maybe we, can, maybe we can do a bit a bit more next week, Mitch, before we do the Carol thing. Yeah, absolutely. So let, let's just stop it there. And as always, uh, a great pleasure. And as we say in Montreal, merci beaucoup. Un gros grand plaisir. And uh, thank you for all the music over the years. I, I've... Man... I devour White Snake like you can't believe. So, well, I'm so happy. I read on my uh, Twitter today uh, how much you were enjoying the rock album, and it's a labor of love for me. A lot of time and resource, uh, and I'm thrilled because there's going to be a lot of everything on there is tweaked. Even if you have the the new slided in, all or nothing and love ain't no stranger. We found some more guitars. You know, everything's everything's furniture's all being rearranged <laughs> yep and i love it and you know still at the night all or all or nothing they've always stood the test of time and st but the restless heart stuff that had been sort of forgotten about just to hear this yeah. coat of paint on it is just like oh thank the lord merci yeah. beaucoup and on that uh, merci yeah, yeah. beaucoup well, all or nothing yeah this is how Cozy and I, God rest his soul, uh, Cozy and I came together. He came over to see me to ask if I'd write a song for uh, Michael Schenker Group when, when Cozy was still in there. 
So, you know, I started to mess around with this song um, and then he was going, oh, yeah, that's cool. And the more and more we talked, I'd said, you know, why don't you join me? I said, I'm going through another transition. <laughs> and we had just a blast. He's a hell of a character and I truly miss him. The whole 87 album, the, the Crying in the Rain stuff was all rearranged and, and uh, uh, Paul Cozy and... He was just going through a strange time in his life. So, you know, we brought Ainsley in, who did a, a masterly job. But all of that was uh, was arranged for, for Coase. Yeah. And with that, Mitch, I thank you with all my heart. Yes. And stay safe and well. Yes. Uh, and hopefully we'll speak again very shortly. Absolutely. Talk to you next week. Merci, sir. Bonsoir. This has been Rock Talk with Mitch LaFon. For more exclusive content and interviews, subscribe on iHeartRadio, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, on YouTube, and many more. Follow Mitch on all the socials, especially Twitter, at Mitch LaFon, and on Instagram, at Mitch underscore LaFon. Get your Mitch merch now at loudtracks.com slash Mitch.